0: Patricia Elaine Action, Patty or Patsy to those who knew her best, was a 25-year-old from Clearwater, Florida. She and her husband had recently split up, and she was eager to start her life over in the city where she was raised. On May 26, 1978, she went to a local Ramadi Inn lounge with some new co-workers. After a few minutes there, she got up to use the restroom. She was never seen again. I'm Densel and this is Unfound. Recently, in a few discussions I've had with some listeners and people who work with me on this program, the statistic of 40% has come up. That's the percentage of cases on Unfound where drugs can in some way be connected to the disappearance. It's a large, but I don't think surprising number. And truthfully, I've only just recently started putting together a chart of Unfound's cases, breaking them down by a variety of different criteria. Gender, ethnicity, ethnicity location, drug involvement, relationship status, etc. It's one more way for me to better understand the nature of disappearances and pass my findings on to you. Well, there's another statistic Unfound has gathered. 30%. That's the percentage of disappearances where the people are here one second and gone the next. No suspects, no leads, no suspicious behavior, no addictions. No connection to any criminal element at all. What are some of these cases? Jason Jolkowski, Joshua Guimond, Regina Marie Boss, Shane Fell, Craig Freer, to name just a few. 30% where it seems the entire world blinked its eyes at the same time. And when we opened them again a split second later, these people were gone. Like some kind of magic trick. Patty Action is one of those victims. How can a young woman get up from a bar, go to a restroom, and just disappear? It just doesn't seem possible. But it happened. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's charlieproject.org. Patty had moved in with her parents six weeks before her disappearance, after Patty and her husband had split up, with him moving back to Ohio. After moving back in, Patty got a job at the K-Pop Tree Inn where she met Mike Swearingen, a guy she went out with a few times before her disappearance. On May 26, 1978, Patty had just gotten her paycheck. It was a Friday, and she and some of her co-workers went to the Ramada Inn Lounge to hang out. Once they arrived, Patty ordered a drink, but after taking just a few sips of it, she got up to allegedly use the restroom. She was never seen again her car disappearing with her. Four days later, her vehicle, a 1969 Chevy Chevelle, was located in a Days Inn parking lot in Tarpon Springs, north on Route 19 from the Ramona Inn. There was a large amount of Type O blood on the passenger seat to indicate someone had sustained a serious, if not fatal, injury. Patty's blood type was Type O, although the police have never determined it was actually hers. Her shoes were also inside the car. From early on in the investigation, Mike Swearingen was a person of interest in Patty's disappearance. However, Mike seemingly had a solid alibi, him being on the way back from Miami on the night of May 26th. During the preparation for this episode, Unfound discovered that within a three-year span of 1978 to 1981, three other women with Patty's physical characteristics disappeared in the Tampa area, two of them also having their cars taken and placed elsewhere with one of them even having her car found across the street from the Ramada Inn Patty disappeared from. Those cases are also unsolved, but Unfound is working under the premise right now that Patty, along with the other three women, were victims of a serial killer. The guest for this episode is Diane Rice, Patty's sister. Unfound news. Nope, I can't make the big announcement yet. I'm thinking I'll be able to make it during the next episode on December 1st. For now, I have to let everything play out on its own time. But trust me, I continue to be through the roof about it. Next, have you seen the Unfound Playing Cards? They're now available at www.makeplayingcards.com. The 52 cards have the faces of the victims in the 52 cases Unfound is covered since it started in September of 2016. The cards also have the names, disappearance locations, disappearance dates, and the phone numbers for each of the case's police departments. I'll be giving some away to guests, and I'm hoping you, the listeners, purchase some to help spread the word about these victims. Finally, I need to thank Angela for her gracious donation on Patreon this week. Thank you, Angela. Unfound has a brand new tier system on Patreon that I hope you all check out. You can get in for only $2 a month at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. Where you can find Unfound? Unfound is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, and Overcast. You can email the program at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. The website, unfoundpodcast.com. Please check out the secret Stephen Kocher episode. Amazon.com, Volume 1 in both ebook and print form. And please mention Unfound on all true crime Facebook pages and other websites and forums. Thank you. Very happy to have on this episode of Unfound, the sister of Patty Action, Diane Action Rice. Diane, welcome to Unfound. Thank you. Tell the listeners a little bit about your sister Patty. First of all, was she an older or younger sister, and what are some childhood memories you have of her?
1: All right. Well, Petsy was my older sister by about two and a half years. Um, She, I have a younger brother, Bill, who's almost two years younger than me. And, um, you know, even as a kid, she was pretty responsible. I mean, she used to babysit for my brother and me. She used to, you know, we we loved to swim, water ski. She could play the piano and, you know, just be active kids. We played outside a lot, kickball, dodgeball. She did have asthma and allergies, though, so she had to be careful of what she was around. Um, you know, as time went in high school, we became close friends. Uh, she was always there if I needed something, you know, if I had a problem or just, you know, needed a friend. She was really talented. She could listen to a song on the radio and then figure out how to play that on her flute. Uh, she also played the organ at our Sunday church services. She was smart. She would take honors classes in high school. And I used to hate to get the same teachers as she had because they would always expect me to get A's like she did. Um, She was a majorette and taught me how to twirl the baton. Um, She was very popular. She was on the high school homecoming court. She was the key club sweetheart. She was in Latin Club, and she was in the high school band. That must Uh, have been a hard
0: act to follow, Diane.
1: It was. Like I say, I used to hate when my teachers, when her teachers would say, oh, you're Patsy's sister. I'd be like, oh, no.
0: Uh And this was was all in the um, Tampa area, the Clearwater area? You grew up?
1: Tarpon Springs. We grew up in Tarpon Springs.
0: Okay. And and of course, the listeners uh, probably already know that I live in Madeir Beach, although I'm not from the area. So Tarpon Springs and Clearwater are not far from me at all. And uh, what, a, what a great place to grow up, though. Uh, you know, 1970s Florida, it's not as crowded as it was now, right?
1: Not at all. Tarpon Springs, it was, you know, like pretty much nothing. And even Clearwater, it wasn't much to do. We used to have to go to St. Peter, Tampa, you know, to do anything, go to concerts or whatever, um, you know, stuff like that, because there was pretty much nothing around then.
0: Did you go to the beach a lot?
1: Yeah, we went to the beach all the time. Um I remember one of her habits was when she was nervous, she would like bite her, her lower lip. So sometimes there would be pictures that she would be, you know, we'd be taking and she'd be biting her lower lip. is <laughs> she'd be nervous. You know, just little things like that.
0: Okay. And what's maybe uh maybe a fi- favorite childhood memory? Did you go on a vacation, maybe go to of course, Disney World isn't very far away. Did you ever go there? Or, you know, something like that. What what image do you have of her when you you think of her uh, now?
1: Well, we used to go to Daytona Beach like every summer for vacation, and I remember just being at the beach and playing in the waves, and you know, just laughing and having a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a really a good childhood. I mean, we used to go water skiing every Saturday because my dad had a boat. Uh, We used to go roller skating every Friday night with a church group. And, um, you know, and then Sundays, we would always have a Sunday dinner. We'd go to church and then have a Sunday dinner. And, you know, I remember all those times, just, you know, kind of like family, just being together. You know, back then we didn't, I guess we grew up kind of naive because we didn't think of any, you know, bad things happening. We never even locked our doors before uh, my sister disappeared. It was just, a, you know, a, a easier kind of time back then, at least it seemed like it.
0: Different time. Than yes, now. definitely. Yeah. And if people don't know, this is all in Pinellas County, where St. Petersburg, Florida and Clearwater, Florida is. And technically, Tampa is across the bay in Hillsborough County. But um, this area has really grown up in the last, yes, you know, since the 1970s, for sure. And uh, I've read about that. So she did well in high school. She was on the homecoming court. She played the flute. Um, did she go to college?
1: She did. She went to Stetson College in Deland, Florida. Uh, she was working towards being a teacher, but she actually never finished college. Uh, she got married to Bill Woodyard, and they lived in D-Land. Um, when How did she you feel was- about
0: that? How did your family feel about that? She went to school, maybe didn't finish. Did she meet him? Did Was he a student there as well?
1: You know, I'm not sure how they met, but I don't think he was a student there. But I know my parents were real thrilled after spending all the money, you know, for college that she didn't finish. Yeah. But, um, you know, she got married and they seemed to be, you know, that that's what she wanted. So, you know, my parents supported her in that. Uh-huh.
0: Did they make a cute couple in your opinion?
1: They did. I mean, I thought that they, you know, made it made a good couple. Um she went out with him and then I went out with his brother, so it was two sisters and two brothers at the time.
0: That's that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> um and what year uh what month and year did they get married and uh how long were they married?
1: Uh, Let's see, now you're making me think of times, which I am so bad at time. I know they weren't married that long. It was probably only a year or so. And uh, so they must have gotten married. Let's see, she disappeared in 78. So they probably got married, I think, around 76, maybe 77. Right in that that time period. Because they weren't married but, like, maybe a year.
0: And she was very young. And I'm going to guess that mm-hmm. he was somewhere around her age. So they were both very young, early 20s.
1: Right, just a year or two older, I think he was.
0: And so what did she do? She, uh, Like you said, she didn't uh, graduate. Did she get a job while she was uh, married? What did she yeah, do over she there, there in the land? She
1: was a waitress. She was a waitress while she was married. Um you know, and then, like I say, they were only married for a year or so when he left, and he had just left her a note saying that marriage wasn't for him and had taken off. So she was devastated. I mean, she had no idea that was going to happen, and she wound up moving back in with my parents in Tarbon Springs at that time.
0: That had to be devastating for her. Really, it really was a surprise.
1: It was. She was, yeah, she was really surprised and really, really upset.
0: Any insight into that? Did he seem like the kind of guy that would just, I mean, I've seen pictures of her. Uh, I've, of course, on our prior conversation, sister sounds like a wonderful, wonderful person. You know, she seems like she'd be a good choice for a lot of men.
1: Yeah, well, I thought so. But, you know, Um, I guess they didn't get along all the time. And I know they would argue. I don't really know why the marriage broke up or why he felt that way. Um, You know, I guess she had a temper like anybody else. But I I don't really know all the details of that.
0: Okay, So where did he, so he left or just left, left the note. And where did he go? Where did he leave and go back?
1: He went back to where he was from in Ohio.
0: Okay, so he left, and she's uh, left here, and then she moved back to the Clearwater area.
1: Right, she moved back to Tarpon Springs uh, in my parents' house temporarily.
0: So let's move up to uh, maybe the days, weeks, and months before she disappeared. she move back here, and does she get a job, uh, maybe thinking about going back to school? Uh, I'm guessing you were seeing a little bit more of her then. Uh, what was going on in her life after her separation and, and uh, from her husband?
1: Well, she was working as a waitress at the K-pop tree in Clearwater. Uh, she was looking for an apartment to move into because she wanted to get on with her life after the divorce. Um, now, she had a partner, they worked in teams at the K-pop tree named Mike Swearington and she she wanted to kinda separate herself from him because she said he was real possessive because they'd gone out a couple of times, but he acted like they were a couple. So he she kinda wanted to, you know, get away from that. She wanted to get out on her own and just kinda, you know, pick up the pieces and go on.
0: What does that exactly mean? Maybe I, I I've never worked in the restaurant business and I'm going to guess a lot of listeners haven't. What does that mean they worked as partners? Uh, At the K-Pok tree. What does that mean?
1: Well, I guess every table had like two people that would wait on them. And it was her and Mike were the two, you know, that had partnered up to wait different tables.
0: Okay. That's uh, unique to me. I don't know how often that's done at restaurants or not. But that's how they ended up meeting, working together. And then when she would be at work, if he was there, they'd work certain tables together.
1: Correct. Okay.
0: Great. Um, had you, did you meet Mike? I mean, how many, how many, I maybe did. I should ask you this. Once she moved back to Clearwater, Tarpon Springs area, how often did you see Patty?
1: I saw her at least a few times a week. I mean, sometimes she would come and spend the night at my apartment. I lived by myself at that time in Largo. Um, you know, I was working for an attorney downtown St. Petersburg, Uh, So I was on my own, you know, I was out and on my own and she would come over to my apartment and spend the night sometimes, but I'd usually see her at least a few times a week.
0: And of course, this is the late 1970s, so there's no cell phones or anything like that. Maybe you talk on the phone, but most of the talking those days was done in person. Right. Yeah. Okay. Any fears that she was expressing at the time? Any concerns? Uh, um, like you said, maybe this Mike guy was coming on a little too strong. Any Besides him, though, anything else going on in her life that uh, you worried about?
1: No, not really. Just, you know, it was the thing with him and and just her trying to find an apartment and, you know, working. And she pretty much worked and went home. I mean, there wasn't a whole bunch going on right at that point in her life. She had moved back, so she didn't know a lot of people again because she'd been away. So, you know, she was trying to make friends and things like that.
0: Now, this is an issue uh, we're going to bring up, but we don't know if it's a factor into her disappearance or not. But we uh, it's uh, something that pops up once in a while on the cases that Unfound covers that. Patty might have been bipolar. Can you tell the listeners about that? Did you know that before she disappeared or is that something you didn't discover till afterwards and and does it surprise you?
1: Well, I didn't I didn't know that. Now, apparently she had just gotten on medication for that. Um, I never noticed any signs of her being bipolar and neither had my brother because I talked with him about it. And neither one of us had any idea or had noticed anything like that. But apparently, she had just gotten on medication for that.
0: Yeah. And the, the times you talked, you were not even aware that she'd even gone to a doctor and gotten medication before her disappearance. That was something that never came up
1: between that never came up now i remember her saying she would lose her temper and stuff and i would blame it on her husband and say well you know relationships can make you crazy sometimes it makes me feel crazy you know so i kind of blew it off for that you know i didn't think anything about her just you know out of nowhere being bipolar
0: so we move up to that day may 26th 1978 the day that We believe she disappeared. What was going on that day for you? Uh, What was her schedule that day? What can you tell the listeners about that day?
1: Well, that was a Friday. And my mom's birthday was the day before that. And she went to work. And I remember she called my mom to let her know she would be home a little late because, you know, living with your parents, you got to, you know, check in if you're going to be five minutes late because they'll worry. So she let him know that she was going to go out for a drink with friends from work. Um, At that time, like I say, I had my own place in Largo and I had spent the weekend with a friend in St. Petersburg, so I wasn't home. Apparently she had called me and left a message on my answering machine, but I wasn't like I said, I wasn't there. Um, we had no cell phones then, so that was all she tried to do was you know get a hold of me that way. Um, then apparently she rode by my brother's house, who was always home because he had a two-year-old, but this one night he had gone out, so she left a note on the door saying that she'd stopped by, but no one was home. So, she was going to go have a drink with coworkers from work at the Ramada Inn, and that she would stop back by after that. Uh, but then she never came back by, and nobody ever saw her again.
0: Okay, and we're going to get into the specifics of that for a, uh, in a second. To your knowledge, had she ever gone to this uh, Ramada Inn? And how close was she with these coworkers? Because, as uh, we stated before, she hadn't worked with them that long at uh, the Kapok tree. She'd only been back in the Tarpon Springs area for not a long time. Um, what about that?
1: Well, she was not really close to any of them. Uh, she worked with them. And like I say, she was trying to make new friends. So I think that's why she had decided to go there, you know, and have a drink with them. And so she went to the Ramada Inn. It's on uh, 60 and Highway 19. And she sat down, ordered a drink, took a couple sips, asked where the bathroom was, and nobody ever saw her again. Now, if she had decided to go somewhere and knew she wouldn't be going home, you know, to mom and dad's, she would have called back to either me or my brother and said, Look, I'm not going to go home tonight. Just cover for me with mom and dad, you know, something like that. But we never heard back from her either.
0: And to your knowledge, uh, at least since she came back uh, from the DeLand area, she had never gone missing before, maybe just out of communication for a couple of days, nothing like that?
1: Never. Okay. Like I say, even if we were going to be 10 minutes late, it was like, we better call, we better you know, call. that yeah. kind of thing.
0: Okay. In that uh, had you ever been had you personally ever been in the Ramada inn before um, and I don't no. think it, I don't think I think the building is still there but I don't think it's a Ramada inn anymore almost 40 years later but I think the building is still there. It's probably a different hotel chain now but um, were the restrooms close to the front door uh, would, would she have been headed toward the exit/ slash entrance of the establishment and going to the restroom?
1: Well, I have never been there personally, but from what I understand, the restrooms were towards the front, from what I've been told. Mm -hmm.
0: And did these co-workers, and I'm guessing it was a mixture of men and women?
1: Correct. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Did any of them go look for her? Did any of them go out to the parking lot and see if her car was there? Did they do anything... When she did not return after let's let's give her ten to fifteen minutes,
1: no, not to my knowledge. they didn't call the police, they didn't call her house they didn't you know, as far as I know, they didn't even look for her,
0: so her half finished glass of whatever she was drinking wine or whatever is sitting there, and she kind of disappears, and they don't they don't do anything right. do you ever have a chance to Meet any of these co-workers, talk to them, ask them any questions uh, after this happened? Back nope. that. Or, or your brother or your parents?
1: No, nope, I don't think any of us ever. I know the police questioned them. Okay. And um, I remember at one time them using the phrase, they were unable or unwilling to give information. So, I don't know. It was kind of to me, it sounded kind of suspect, but that was all we got out of that.
0: That's what the police told you?
1: Mm hmm.
0: What do you think about that?
1: I don't know, because there's been so many theories over the years. I mean, in the beginning, we thought we knew, you know, we had put it in a little box that it was Mike, you know, and then it changed to maybe it was this other guy. And then it was like maybe somebody from the K-Pok tree. And then it was like maybe a serial killer. I mean, it's been so many things over the years that I don't have any idea what to think anymore.
0: Now, not only was she missing from that night, but her car went missing as well. So seemingly after she left the the bar, mm-hmm. she left and her car left with her. It wasn't like she was picked up or anything, but... um When did you find out that something was wrong, that she had disappeared? When did your parents find out? When did your brother find out? What did you do? Like the next day, I guess it would have been Saturday. When did you know something wasn't right?
1: Okay, well, my parents, you know, of course, my mom was waiting for her to come home that night, and she never came home. And so the next morning, they had called. And, you know, I wasn't home because I had spent the the weekend with my friend in St. Pete. And my brother hadn't heard back from her. And so they called the police immediately, but they were told that they had to wait. I think it was 72 hours uh, before she could be a real missing person because she was an adult. And my parents tried to tell them something had happened because she would never do that. Uh, my parents called friends, you know, anyone that they knew that they could think of that might know where she could be. And, um, So I didn't know myself until I called home on Sunday and my parents said, come home. And I was like, why? What happened? And they wouldn't tell me what happened on the phone. They just said, come home, come home. And, um, you know, I found out later they were relieved to hear from me because since they weren't able to reach me on Saturday, either, they thought maybe someone had gotten both of us. And so when I did get home, you know, I I couldn't imagine what could be so terrible that they couldn't tell me on the phone. And, you know, the worst thing I could think of was, oh, maybe our dog got hit by car. Because, you know, I like I say, we were raised kind of naive as far as the world being a bad place. And um, then when I got home and got the news, I was totally shocked.
0: They said that. And they told you, you got up there and they said that Patty went out on Friday night with some co-workers and she never came home and her car was missing as well. When you were and your family were trying to contact anybody, any friends, co-workers uh, regarding Patty's disappearance, if they had seen her, uh, was Mike Swearingen one of those people that you thought about contacting?
1: well we didn't really think about contacting him and like i say it was such a a nightmare all at one time and i mean it was just so shocking and unbelievable that what happened was mike wound up coming coming to my parents house now she had told him you know because she said i want to i want to get rid of mike you know he thinks that we're a couple and we're not and i told her i said well just tell him to get lost and um she said well i'm afraid of what he might do and i said what's he gonna do you live at home you go to work you you go to work go home blah 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 you know that's all you do what's he gonna do and she said okay well i guess you're right so the Wednesday before she disappeared on Friday, she had come over to my house and said, I told him to get lost. And, you know, we celebrated. All right, you got rid of him, blah, blah, blah. And so he had taken off to Miami. I don't know why he went to Miami, but that was the story is that he went to Miami. Well, Saturday, he shows up at my parents' house and says, You know, is Patsy here? And, and, You know my parents were like what you know and just kind of broke down and he said oh oh don't worry i know i know where she is i saw her i saw a guy driving her car with her in it i'll i'll go and bring her home don't worry about she'll be fine and um and then he left and um so later i know the police questioned him for two weeks and he had told him about three dreams he had of killing a girl and gave exact locations in Tarpon Springs where he buried her. And the police checked out those places, but they didn't find anything. And then after two weeks, he took off up north, I think it was, but he, he left the, the state. And, you know, then they started changing who it might have been and blah, blah, blah. So,
0: So you're telling me that the day after... Patty disappeared. Mike, who was allegedly in Miami for a few days, stops in at your parents' house and says that he saw Patty with another guy in her car. Right. And had he ever been to your parents' house before, to your knowledge? Uh,
1: I think he had been there. I'm not sure. I mean, he might have picked her up there or something. Like I say, they'd gone out a couple of times.
0: And he said that he knew where he would be able to find Patty, but he never showed up at your parents' house again. And obviously, he never did find Patty because her case is still unsolved almost 40 years later. Right. After the 72-hour period, what did the police do?
1: Well, supposedly, they had put a bolo out for her car and they had told my parents to go looking for it in like parking lots and stuff like that well my mom was having seizures I mean she was just you know beside herself she couldn't do it and you know both my parents were like devastated so my neighbor across the street said she would ride around And so she was riding up and down, I guess, you know, looking in the different parking lots through Tarpon Springs. And she was going down the highway and saw the car backed in at the Days Inn on Klosterman and Highway 19. And um, she, the only reason she recognized it, because my sister's car had a dent on the driver's side. So when it was backed in, the dent was towards the road. So she went and looked at the tag and saw it was hers, and then she called the police. And then the police, you know, said, don't let anybody touch the car. And she called her husband and my dad, and they went out and guarded the car till the cops got there.
0: And this was how many days after, four days after Patty disappeared? Right,
1: this was four days after that she found the car.
0: And how far is the days in building, hotel, motel, from the Ramada Inn.
1: It's about 15 miles.
0: 15 miles.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: So before the police get there, your dad and, was it this woman's husband? Who yes. showed up uh, to protect the car, I guess, until the police got there. What did your father uh, see when he got uh, to the car?
1: Um, Well, apparently her shoes were in the car and there was blood. And my dad said it looked like someone had tried to wipe the blood off of the passenger seat and the floorboard. But when the passenger door was opened, he said it was just caked with blood. He said there was so much blood in it that he didn't hold out any hope of her being alive. And he said he was actually afraid her body was going to be in the trunk when they opened it. But it wasn't.
0: Did it look like uh, the trunk had been used at all, or did was the blood just in the passenger seat?
1: The blood was just in the passenger seat and on the floorboard. Okay.
0: Uh, was it was it unlocked? Do you remember? Were her keys ever found? But her shoes were inside. I'm guessing. Are we sure that those are the shoes that she was wearing that night, or did she keep like pairs of shoes in her car?
1: No, I'm pretty sure they were the shoes she was wearing.
0: And was the, although they didn't couldn't do DNA back in the late 70s, uh, was the blood type that in the car, the blood type that Patty had?
1: Yes, it was the same type.
0: Okay. So you find the car, uh, there's blood inside, it does not look very good, and did you, uh, I'm sorry, did you say that the car was unlocked or, or locked? Did they have to break into it or...? I'm um,
1: thinking it was unlocked because he didn't. My dad didn't say anything about them breaking in. He was just saying that it was interesting to watch how thorough they could search something without touching anything.
0: So the car is found, and at this point, obviously, you and your family had to be really afraid at this time. Seeing? Yes. Okay. Did the police say anything to you? What did they continue to do after the. Uh, Car was found. I'm guessing they towed it away, but what happened to the car and did the police offer any theories as to what might've happened to Patty?
1: Well, they did take the car. Um, they somehow figured out where she drove. Um, and they said by the stuff that was in the tire treads, it looked like she'd gone somewhere that had some gravel. And I think that's why they thought she was killed in a park on the very north end of Lake Tarpon. It's off of Keystone Road. And for some reason, they think, you know, I I didn't find this out at the time, but later I found out that I think that's where they think she was killed and then transported. But initially, they were saying, you know, Mike was the suspect. Mm -hmm.
0: Let's talk about Mike a little bit. Um, She met him through work at the Uh K-pop tree. And what are your memories of Mike? Uh, I know you were around him a little, a a little bit, but just his personality and what kind of guy do you, did you think he was?
1: Well, he, he struck me as a real show off. I mean, he flirted, he flirted with everybody. Um, He wasn't a big guy, but he seemed to crave attention. Like one day, Patsy and I were following in my car, and he was on his motorcycle. And like every bump he went over, he would exaggerate and bounce up and down and look back and make sure we were watching and, you know, stuff like that. So it was kind of like he liked to show off. And I know after this happened, I actually moved from my apartment in Margo because he'd been there before, and I was afraid he might come after me.
0: So at the time, you, I guess, and your family were thinking that it's a good possibility that uh, he had something to do uh, with Patty's disappearance.
1: Right. Okay. At that time, that's exactly what we thought.
0: And just to be clear, he was not part of the, this, this group of uh, Patty and her co-workers who went to the Ramada Inn on that Friday. I mean, he was He was not part of that group.
1: No, he was not. Okay.
0: And what is his alibi? as far as you can remember what he said or what the police found out, what is his alibi for the night that Patty disappeared?
1: Um, Well, like I say, he had gone down to Miami. Now I know it had to be after Monday because that's when Patsy told me that she told him to get lost. I don't know how long he'd been down there, but uh, the alibi for that night is that he was hitchhiking home from Miami. And I believe the police, interviewed some guy that had picked him up and given him a ride. And his alibi apparently went through about 5 a.m. Now, Patsy was last seen around midnight or so. So between midnight and five, I'm not sure what happened, but that his alibi apparently went through about 5 a.m. when the guy said he dropped him off back this way.
0: Any reason that, to your knowledge, did he ever say, did Mike say, why he went to Miami and back, maybe leaving on Tuesday and then coming back, I guess, Saturday, late or early Saturday morning or something like that. Any idea why he went to, to Miami?
1: I don't know. If I did know, I don't remember now.
0: I'm guessing the police probably asked them that, but it, maybe they didn't well, tell you. We just we just don't know. And uh, yeah. Nobody needs to get out a map. But Tampa and Clearwater are nowhere near Miami. That's like a five-hour drive right. or or something like that. And of course, you're hitchhiking. It's going to be even longer than that because you're going to be standing right. along the road for mm-hmm. quite a bit of time. Did he not? Uh, did he not own a car? I I guess he had a motorcycle, but
1: that I know of, he just had the motorcycle.
0: And so he's a little bit of a show off. Patty wanted to get away from him a couple uh, days before she goes missing, but nobody uh, saw Mike around the Ramada Inn that night. Uh, was any of his fingerprints or anything found in the car?
1: Yes. But he'd been in her car. So it wasn't, they were saying that wasn't unusual because he'd been in the car before. So if they were fresh or not, I don't know. I don't know if they can tell that from fingerprints, but yeah, his fingerprints were apparently all over the car.
0: And after Patty disappeared, uh, what did, did you keep in touch with Mike? I, I'm not saying on the phone or anything, but did you keep tabs on him and did he have any problems with the law? that say after Patty, um, disappeared.
1: Nope. Um, I had asked, the the police i guess you know like i say they had him in there for two weeks afterwards just questioning him from 9 a.m to 5 p.m but they didn't arrest him because they didn't have a body so um after a couple weeks he just took off and i know one of the detectives had told us you know off the record if we find her body we'll arrest him tomorrow But then, like I say, later in the years, the theory changed, so I'm not sure why or whatever, but as far as I know, oh, and they said they went to him. Now, he's since died, and the detective on the case now said that they went to him on his deathbed and said, look, you know, you're dying, let us know, did you do this, and he still denied it.
0: Did he have any problems with the law? Did he ever? Oh, no.
1: They said he had never been in trouble since then. Now, there was one thing that was suspicious um, having to do with the military. Um, I remember they said something about he falsified papers. Now, I don't know if that means to get in or get out, but he had a medical discharge from the military. And we didn't know if it was physical or mental.
0: So that could be anything. Maybe it's something that popped up during the, you know, the military, or he wanted to get in, or maybe he tried not to get in and falsified something. We just don't know. What year did he die? Is this recently or years ago?
1: Uh, I think it was at least ten years ago. I'm not sure exactly when, but it's been a while.
0: So he was a guy in Patty's life, but since then, no other women, to your knowledge disappeared because they knew, knew him and, to your knowledge, never had a criminal record after that.
1: Right. Now, maybe it wasn't quite that long because I remember the detective that took over and came and contacted us in 2011 is the one that said they went to him on his deathbed. So maybe it was sometime after that. I really don't know when he died, but yeah. Okay.
0: Let's talk about the – uh maybe I should ask you this. Any of those people – Since 1978, when she disappeared, any of those people who were with uh, her that night, with Patty that night, have they ever gotten contact with you? Never. Did any of them uh, vouch for Mike or uh, any, I'm guessing the police tracked them down? Say anything about, any of them say anything bad about Mike? Once again, you know, to your knowledge.
1: Not to my knowledge. I really don't know. I just know that they checked each one out and, you know, talked to each one. And and that was it. You know, they had said they were not that helpful. (laughs)
0: It's kind of suspicious.
1: Yeah, it made me think so.
0: Let's move on to this. The ex-husband... Uh, Remind the listeners, once he and Patty got divorced, where did he go?
1: He moved back to his hometown in Ohio.
0: And is there anything, uh, any possibility that maybe he had something to do with Patty's disappearance? I mean, how did their divorce go? Anything like that?
1: Well, I wouldn't say it was bitter, but it wasn't, like, amicable. It wasn't like they talked about it and decided to get divorced. You know, he just decided it was over. Um, I know the police went and checked him out and said, you know, ruled him out as a suspect. Um, he never contacted me or anything. I never spoke with him after that. Um, now, the only thing now is I'm waiting to hear from the cold case detectives about bones that were found on a property in Central Florida. And we're not sure if there's a relationship between him and this property, but the last name is the same. They both have the last name Woodyard, so I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it, and they're checking those out right now.
0: And so this is... Kind of new information. There were there were bones discovered on some property in Central Florida. How long ago did that happen?
1: Well, they were discovered in 2000. Oh. Now, they didn't take our DNA till I believe it was 2004. And if the DNA had been done on the bones, there would have been a hit. But apparently there's so many DNA things to be run that they may or may not have done DNA on the bones. So that's what I'm trying to find out right now. And it's he just was a detective on the case.
0: And the people who own that piece of land happen to have the same last name as Patty's ex husband. Correct. Uh, did he ever call you or contact your uh, family to offer his condolences? Uh, did he, did anybody even let him know that Patty disappeared?
1: Other than the police, I don't think so. And I don't remember him calling the house, um, but I'm sure my parents wouldn't have been real nice anyway if he did because they were getting divorced. But I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't remember. I don't remember that he had called or anything.
0: Okay. In putting this episode together, and because I live in the area and I've actually, maybe the listeners uh, don't know this, but I've told uh, Diane this. I have a collection of all the disappearances that have happened in the Tampa area over the last 50 years. I printed out an entire stack of files that I have that sits on my desk all the time. And so Patty's uh, disappearance was fairly familiar to me, although I've learned a lot about it since talking to you, Diane. But you were not aware Mm -hmm. there were at least three other disappearances that kind of are similar to Patty's. You you were not familiar with that until I told you about that. Correct. Okay. And probably the one that is most similar is the disappearance of Barbara Barbara Barkley in in 1981. And in fact, she disappeared along with her car. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And what did we discover?
1: her car was found right across the street from where Patsy went missing. And I know both of them were five foot four and they both had long hair and it was almost the same date, but three years later.
0: It's kind of creepy, isn't it?
1: It is. Okay.
0: So her car was found across the street from where Patty uh, disappeared. And there's actually a sketch of a guy who might have something to do with Barbara's disappearance. And you should know that Barbara's disappearance is still unsolved. And I would hope maybe some time to talk to her family as well. Uh, You've seen this sketch. Does it look anything like Mike Swearingen?
1: Well, it was just such a generic sketch that I couldn't really tell.
0: I agree. The, the sketch is, it could be anybody. It could be me. Yeah, and just, I, and was, I would have yeah. only been, uh, I would have been only 11 in Pennsylvania at the time. It could even <laughs> yeah. be me. I, I agree. But, uh, was Mike clean shaven? Did he have short hair? Do you remember how he looked back in 1978?
1: Yeah, he was clean shaven. Um, he had, I wouldn't say short, like in today's terms where, you know, it's buzzed. It wasn't short like that, but it wasn't a long hair style. It was kind of an in-between style.
0: And Barbara was disappeared from her family's business, which is a furniture store. I i think I did the map on it. I think it was about seven miles from where Patty disappeared. Something like that it was not far. Mm-hmm. We also have another case, Sharon Herrer. I think that's how you pronounce the last name, H-A-R-R-E-R. She disappeared the year after Patty disappeared, and she disappeared right in my town here of Madeira Beach, right up the street. She looks a lot like Patty, doesn't she? Very similar build, everything. Well,
1: yeah, she was exactly the same height and weight as Patsy. And they both had blonde hair and light eyes. Sharon had blue eyes and Patsy had hazel eyes. So they both were blonde hair, light eyes, exact same height and weight. Patsy was 5'4 and weighed 98 pounds. And so did she.
0: Yeah, very tiny women. hmm And then we have one more, and there's a similarity to this one as well. Leanne Huffman, she disappeared in the exact same year that Patty disappeared. <laughs> And her car, just like Patty's, was found, although it was over in Tampa, uh, her car was found outside a hotel, just like Patty's car was found outside of a hotel.
1: Uh-huh. And she went missing 10 days after Patty, and they both had blonde hair and hazel eyes.
0: Do you think there's a reason to think that maybe all of these disappearances are connected? I happen to believe so, and I'll go on the record believing that at least two of them, the cases, uh, might be connected to Patty's. But you had, but you, as a Tampa resident, you've lived here all of your life. You didn't even know about these disappearances, and you know, of course, about disappearance cases because your sister is a disappearance case.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about those.
0: Uh, what you knew about Patty and what now that you know about these cases and I know you've you've read through them, is there any chance that Patty could have known any of these women casually? Maybe ran into them somewhere, maybe even friends with one of them. Any any ideas?
1: Not that I know of. I mean, I I don't think so, because like I say, she was away at school and had just been back a few months, you know. I'd say less than 6 months since she'd been back here when it happened.
0: And is I know you didn't know Mike very well. Any possibility that Mike might have known any of these women? You know, did he have any other work to your knowledge besides working at the K-Pop tree?
1: That's think. all I know of and I would have no idea if he knew them or not. Okay.
0: I can tell the listeners this is something that I'm going to look into um, very seriously. And I've given my word uh, to Diane that I'm going to try to do everything I can to try to equate Patty's disappearance with any of these women because I think that that it's a very, very good lead. And frankly, I don't even know if the the Clearwater Police Department or the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office or anybody working there now knows anything about these cases and how they all might be related. So I'm going to do my best to let them know. What's it been like since 1978, Diane, after this happened?
1: Well, it has pretty much it was and has been and is a nightmare of the worst kind. Um, You know, like I said, that was like something that I couldn't even comprehend might happen you know in our family that's one of those things where people always think oh it'll never happen to me well i did think that you know um my parents got divorced three years after this they both eventually remarried and they've both since died um my brother he lives outside of gainesville and he's been up there for years And, um, you know, it's I know for the first year I literally would, you know, and and at that time I was 22. So I was going out, you know, having a good time and I would literally go out and think, okay, tonight I'm going to be good. And I would just start talking about it and wind up crying, crying so that I couldn't even catch my breath. And I think I did that for a year straight. And then I decided I wasn't going to cry anymore. That was it. I I wouldn't let myself cry anymore after that. Because I told myself, you know, get over it. Which I'm still not over it. But at the time, I thought I should be and I should just deal with it and move on. And, and that wound up actually putting me in the hospital from not letting my emotions out. Because I... You know wouldn't let myself feel so now and it's taken years and years to give myself permission to feel again and to go through it you know but um i still have dreams and i have nightmares about it and about patsy uh sometimes they're good dreams where we're just doing stuff sometimes there'll be dreams where she's back and all of a sudden i remember wait a minute you were missing and then I would think, you know, I I would feel like bad, like I should be happy that she's back, but I would be mad because she was gone for so long and made us think she was missing. I mean, it's just been it's just been horrible, um, you know, and then I wake up and feel bad that I that I felt like that. And, you know, so I don't know. It's just been um something that never goes away i mean i think of her all the time i could hear a song and think oh my god she played the flute to that you know i can see something see something on tv and all of a sudden i'm there you know and it it just comes over me like a wave you know of emotion and it's hard to explain to anyone that hasn't been through it you know just like anything is um How you can just be fine laughing, you know, you can be laughing about something and then all of a sudden something like that happens and you find yourself in tears, you know, it's just been a roller coaster of emotions and it's just, it's hard the not knowing who, where, why, how, you know, any, any answers to anything, you know, like when my dad said, i was afraid she was going to be in the trunk and we're like oh yeah thank god she wasn't you know maybe i think maybe it would have been better if she was maybe they would have found more stuff out i mean i don't know and you know i've even said to my friends you know if somebody says get in the car or i'm gonna shoot i'm gonna tell them you're gonna shoot me now because they're gonna find me you know it's just been it's been a roller coaster it's been it's been it's been a nightmare And I know my whole family feels the same way.
0: What did your parents, how did your parents, uh, uh, maybe I should put it this way, your parents got divorced three years after Patty disappeared. Do you think that her disappearing uh, was a factor in that?
1: It's hard to say, but I know that they handled it very differently. Um, You know, like years later, um, My dad would have like a bunch of pictures around her, but my mom found it too painful to have a lot of pictures around. So I know they handled it in very different ways, but I don't know the details of why, you know, they got divorced.
0: Did your parents ever express a belief to you of what they believe happened to Patty?
1: Well, I think we all thought in the beginning it was Mike, I mean, you know, and I think that was part of what, um, you know, eventually put me in the hospital as we it all put it in a neat little package. It was him, you know, so you kind of set your mind. This is what happened. And then three years later, they were finding bodies up in Brooksville under a house. And people would come to me at work and say, they said your sister's name on the news. Did you see it? Did you see it? And I was like, no, I didn't see it. And then I would find myself crying and say, no, you're not going to cry anymore. And then that's what, you know, I wound up getting paranasal sinusitis and being in the hospital for a week. And the doctor said I was literally within eight hours of death had I not gone into the hospital but um it's because i wouldn't let myself feel because i thought no we've already done this we've already figured it out don't bring something new in you know and then that was new and then it would be another scenario over the years it's been scenario after scenario and every time something new comes up it's like it brings you right back to that first day you know it's like oh my god it's like the nightmare just starts all over again
0: and you had said though, at one point that the police started to shift away from Mike and and, and thinking something else. Have any reasons why that happened? And do you, did your parents say anything about that? Being that they're not here these you know, today to you know to speak about this.
1: Right. Well, I don't know what they felt, um, you know, after that, but they had at one time shifted it to some guy she'd gone out to out with in high school which i never accepted that as a scenario um you know then they were saying maybe it was a stranger you know and you know and then the bodies in brooksville and you know it was just one thing after another you know It it would just change so like every time i talked to a detective, it would be like, well, now we're thinking maybe this. And I'd be like, oh, no, (laughs) another scenario. So I don't know. And at this point, it's just like now I'm totally confused and totally lost as to who it could have been.
0: And like you said before, the not knowing is the worst part.
1: It is. It really is.
0: When was the last time you spoke to a detective about Patty's disappearance.
1: Actually, I spoke to him on the phone just a couple weeks ago about the bones that have been found in uh, Deltona, which is not far from Deland, which is not far from where she lived before she moved back here. Um, And he's looking into finding out if the DNA has been done.
0: Do you have a, a Facebook page or anything like that uh, regarding Patty? Um, a lot of the information, of course, is on charlieproject.org. Um, Megan Good, who is a friend of mine, runs that site. But anything else where people can find Patty online?
1: Well, I just know if you Google her name, it comes up. I've done that in the past, and there's things you know that come up under her name.
0: Okay. All right, and I hope the listeners will do that. And I, of course, being that I am a Tampa resident, this disappearance happened not too far from where I live. And listeners should know that although Diane and I have not met in person, she is also a Tampa resident living over in Hillsborough County now. Um, I'm going to continue to work on this this case, especially because I think it's connected to these other disappearances and also because it happened right here in this community uh, where I live now. Uh, Any last words, Diane? Mm -hmm.
1: No, I just thank you so much for, you know, bringing the case to light again. I really appreciate that. It makes me feel good to know that she hasn't been forgotten because I certainly never will.
0: You're welcome, Diane. I hope we can meet in person sometime. I think I would would really enjoy that. And I thank you for being on this episode of Unfound.
1: Well, thank you.
0: You're welcome. And that was my interview with Diane Rice, sister of Patty Action. I thank her for appearing on the program. I also spoke to Patty's brother, Bill. He was also helpful to me in understanding what was going on in Patty's life at the time. Like the disappearance of Kelly Rothwell, who disappeared no more than five miles from where I do this program, Patty's disappearance feels very personal to me since it's also a location I pass quite often. If you're going fast enough on Route 19 in Blink, well, you'll miss the exit where Patty vanished. That brings me back to those three other disappearances that happened in this area. Barbara Barkley, May 28, 1981 in Pinellas Park, about two miles from where my brother lives. Her car being found across the street from where Patty disappeared in a hotel parking lot. Sharon Herrer, November twenty sixth, nineteen seventy nine, Madeir Beach, Florida, less than a mile from where I sit right at this second. She was five four and ninety eight pounds, the exact same build as Patty. And she was a waitress, just like Patty. Leanne Huffman, june fifth, nineteen seventy eight, Tampa, Florida. Yes, ten days after Patty disappeared. Her car was found in a hotel parking lot just like Patty's. It's very, very curious. But there's even more. And I hope this shows why I think that these four young women were made to disappear by the same person or persons. While even doing even deeper studying after interviewing Diane, I discovered two other clusters of disappearances in the Tampa area. Retha Hires. Danielle Johnson, and Margaret Dash. All black women who disappeared between 1974 and 1989. It's a 15-year span. They all had romantic interludes with a guy, Cleveland Hill, with him being the obvious suspect. He's still walking around free, by the way. So three women who disappeared all connected to the same man. There's another cluster. Bradley Williams, Jason Galehouse, Barry Block, David Rhodes, James Shoemaker, and Mark Thompson. They were all gay men who disappeared in the Tampa area between the mid-90s and early 2000s. Their disappearances were eventually pinned on Stephen Lorenzo and Scott Schweikert. Those two are both in jail for murders where the bodies of gay men were found. I think what this shows is that when you have a cluster of disappearances amongst people of similar demographics the odds are fairly high that those disappearances were committed by the same person or persons. Thus, I think it's reasonable to proceed with the idea that with Patty, Leanne, Barbara, and Sharon, that their cases are related as well. So the question is this. Did Mike Swearingen know all of these women? I'd like to find out by searching for any members of Leanne's, Barbara's, or Sharon's family. If Mike didn't know these other women then we have to figure out the connection between all four of them. Because I surely believe one exists. And I'm very sure the police in this area don't even know about the similarities of all of their disappearances. I'm going to continue to look into this angle of a possible serial killer in the Tampa area at the time. And I'll let you know if anything happens. With that, I'll leave the theorizing up to you. Do you think the disappearances of Patty Action, Leanne Huffman... Barbara Barkley, and Sharon Herrer are related. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give Unfound a five-star review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel and you've been listening to Unfound.